Welcome to the Ready to Buy podcast. The podcast for busy young professionals like you to help get yourself and keep yourself ready to buy your dream home and keep your finances in shape. We know just how daunting it can feel, which is why over the coming weeks and months, we'll be discussing and simplifying moving, mortgages and money whilst hearing from some industry experts to help build your knowledge, understanding and confidence to be in the best shape you can be. The Ready to Buy podcast is brought to you by me, Mark Humphrey of MHC Mortgage and Protection Limited. And with over 20 years of experience in the mortgage industry, we help and support people like you buy their homes on a daily basis. We are passionate about making the process simple, easy, hassle and stress-free for all of our clients and we'll be sharing our knowledge, experience and loads of useful hints and tips throughout the series. You can find out more about us at mhcmortgages.co.uk and to make sure you never miss an episode you can subscribe at any podcast app out there including of course Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts and Amazon. Welcome to today's episode, Why Do I Need a Will? And I'm delighted today to be joined by Sarah Shepherd from SLS Wills and More. And Sarah's going to talk to us today about essentially why you need a will and give us some really good insight from her experience over many years um, writing wills and, and in this industry. So hi, Sarah. Thanks for coming on board. Morning, Mark. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Very good. Good. Lovely. And so would you like to give us a, a bit of a, an intro, Sarah, and just tell us a bit about yourself and really why you do what you do? So I started in the uh, profession about 35 years ago, um, initially just doing probate and trust work for one of the big banks. And when I got made redundant from the banks, I'd never actually written a will, but I knew how not to do one. So um, I then started to work for solicitors and learned how to write wills. I became a full member of the Society of Trust and Estate Practitioners, which is like the gold standard in the industry. And, And then in 2017, I decided it was time to do things for myself. And that's when I um concentrated more on the wills and lasting powers of attorney through my business SLS Wills and More Limited. Lovely and so I guess having having all of that experience I'm sure you've got a few stories to tell and probably a few really good examples of how to do things and how not to do things. Uh, yes definitely I've had I've seen some sites over the years and seen some situations which would uh, probably tear people's hearts apart if they knew um how they could have protected their families better by just just by having a will yeah that's a really good point isn't it and i i think that's part of the purpose of of having you on board today and and just having a chat through because i think the challenge that so many of our listeners have i I know myself and i'm sure you're the same it's trying to get around to all those sort of or that personal to-do list it's all those things on the list that you know you need to do your personal admin and I'll do that another day. We, I think most of us know that we need a will, albeit 
I think we we could all know a bit more about it and why we need. And so that that probably leads us quite neatly into my first question. Um, so thinking about a will. So let's start by thinking about. So what happens? So let's say I pass away. What what happens if there's no will in place? And what's what's the sort of starting point? And what are the things from there to consider? So um, if someone dies without a will, the rules of intestacy are what would determine how your estate is distributed. Um, Now, if assets are held in joint names, they do pass automatically to the surviving joint owner. But it's the assets that are in your sole name or if a property is held as tenants in common that would be subjected to the rules of intestacy. So they first would look at uh, whether there's a spouse or civil partner um, and and if there's children. So if um, that's the case, then the surviving spouse or civil partner would get the first £270,000 of the sole assets. And then anything over and above that would be divided into two equal shares. Half share goes to the spouse or civil partner and the other half goes between all the surviving children. So you can quite easily end up in that situation where potentially the house could be owned by the the spouse or civil partner and the children. Um, and it can be quite messy, particularly if the children are, are under 18. Yeah, I mean, already, I think that's, I'm sure our listeners will agree that you, you, I'm starting to think there's so many different ifs and buts in that alone, isn't there? And so if, if, if I'm single, who does, who does that go to? If I'm um, married? Yeah, it would go to parents, you know, or, or siblings. Or if you've got none of those, it could end up with um, people that you do not know about. So, you know, it could follows the bloodlines up and down and all over the place and could end up with cousins three or four times removed. So, you know, it's that's why it's important. Yeah. And so in terms of having a will in place, so some of the real key reasons to have a will, I think we've already touched on those, but would you like to sort of broaden that out and, and discuss that a bit further? I mean, you have you have control over what happens to your assets. Um, you have control as to who will benefit. Uh, that That's um, tempered with the fact that you do also need to make provision for those that are financially dependent upon you. I mean, for example, you can't just cut out your wife and children um, without having extremely good reasons for doing so. And you need to be aware that they could potentially make a claim against your estate. So, um, so that's why we would recommend that you do actually have um, proper advice as to how to structure your will and not just go ahead and do it um, yourself without taking that advice. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point, isn't it? And we, we see that in so many parts of life where we go to experts, even down to going to, to the car, you wouldn't dream of, of trying to fix your car. Or most of us wouldn't dream of trying to fix our car by ourselves as running a business i wouldn't do my accounts myself etc and uh, and so when when you leave it to your worldly goods and worldly possessions and the people that matter the most why why scrimp on that and leave it to 
essentially not not do things properly yeah well if you think about it it's probably one of the most important documents that you would ever um prepare um and unfortunately when it comes to be dealt your estate comes to be dealt with you're not around to pick up the pieces or to to correct things so you know that's why that's why it's your last will and testament essentially isn't it that's your your wishes and and so in terms of we said about your um sort of your worldly possessions and and as well it's not just about your things is it it's about your wishes in terms of looking after the children and things like that yeah wishes um for your funeral um as well as what would happen for your children and you know i've had situations where somebody said to me well i haven't got anything to leave my kids so why would i need a will well actually you've got children that you need to leave to somebody because without a will which a point leaves them to a guardian for example they could end up in care it won't be necessarily your family um you know and families do fall out over things like this so that's why it's important that if you have children you definitely need to have a will yeah i mean that that really is shocking having three children myself just to let that sink in um your children could end up in care through not having a will that is that's mind-blowing isn't it and you and it's and when we think of it as well, even as as say a married couple, um, yes, if if one of you is is a surviving partner to to carry out the other's wishes, but what it does happen, unfortunately, not very often, but it can happen. What if something happens to both of you? Yes, exactly. That's that's the dangerous point. Or if you're both together in the same car, for example, you know, um, it, it's. It does happen, and it happens far more often than you think. Yeah, that's I can I can imagine, and I think we when we when we talk about protection, when we help our clients with with our mortgages, so we will look at protecting so a lump sum to to pay the mortgage off. We might look at protecting their income, covering for for critical illnesses, and all the, all those types of things. It's it's not very nice things to think about, but actually, it's a few minutes now can make all the difference for for your future and and for the future more more importantly uh, in many ways of your loved ones can't it yes absolutely and the will has got to be in the same category yeah ab- absolutely that's um and so i think what what we've also seen there as well is the importance that as you go through life things will change won't they yes yes they do you should review your will regularly. Yeah, which which makes sense. And and so when you say regularly, how how would you sort of define that? We recommend every three to five years or when there's a life-changing event. So life-changing event could be moving home. Um, it could be the birth of a child or a grandchild. It could be on retirement. Um, it could be because you've inherited money. Um, all these, or oh, divorce even, um, or the death of a family member, um, it all needs to be reviewed. And, um, yeah, and just because it, it says it's your last will and testament, it is only the last will and testament when you pass away. Up until then, you can change it as often as you like, provided you have mental capacity. 
Yeah, that's, that's it. And and you just to pick something out there, you, you mentioned about divorce, and that unfortunately that's something that we see quite often where where people are going their separate ways, and we end up with families with with children from different um, with step parents and and from different sort of mothers and fathers, and and the complexities of that, and ensuring that those that you intend to be provided for get that provision it can get really complex can't it it can indeed um you know and there have been occasions where um somebody has left a simple will leaving everything to their new spousal partner and then that new spousal partner gets married or um meets somebody else and moves in with them well marriage actually automatically revokes any existing will so um you need you would then become intestate again if you got married again. So it's really important that you do think about all of these life changing events and how that's going to impact upon you. And if your new your spouse or partner does remarry, then your children could have essentially lose out if you've left everything to your spouse or partner. So it's it's quite important that you actually consider do you want that to happen? Or do you want to guarantee that um, your share of the property will actually end up with your children and not going to someone else completely? So we can use trust in a will to um, actually protect your share of the property to make sure that your children will eventually inherit your share of the property whilst at the still, same time still providing for your, your wife or partner. Yeah, and that's... And actually, I don't think there's many people listening that would say that they didn't want that if that was the case. They, they really would. It's that simple, isn't it? And and so, yeah. And so whilst up to now, so whilst we've sort of talked some of those things through, there seemed to be quite a bit of complexity. But I'm keen to emphasize that actually it's not that difficult if you speak to someone like yourself, Sarah. So let's say... I need to update my will or I need to put a new will in place. How easy is it for me to do that? Well, um, I always recommend um, allowing about an hour and a half for the initial conversation um, so that I can get an idea of of what your family structure is, what your assets are um, and what you want to try and achieve. Um, And then at the end of that meeting, I can then draft a document which is based on what you want um and then i would send it for approval which that process can take seven to ten days and then once you've approved it then um we would then arrange for you to actually sign the documents which has to be done in the presence of two independent people yeah which understandable in that situation so so actually it's it's simple you for for in exchange for a, a small amount of time and and your time you go away prepare everything and then it's just a case of having a a read through and signing absolutely and there's and there and there is the opportunity to to tweak things once you've got the draft as well so um you know just because that initial document is what you thought you wanted when you read through it you might actually change your mind on something and therefore i can tweak it before you sign it yeah 
yeah, that makes sense. And so I hope that that's quite helpful to those of our listeners that are thinking it's going to be uh, a big hassle or it's going to be really expensive or get really protracted. It really can be simple. It can be put in place nice and quickly. And actually the peace of mind of having that thing, that such an important thing ticked off your to-do list, that is, is, is so important, isn't it? Yeah, I have a number of clients that come to me and say, now that we've had that initial conversation, I've got this process started, they feel some relief. And it's only once they've actually signed the document that they've got real peace of mind. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And and as part of your service, do you, do you follow follow up with them in due course? Do you have, sort of have an annual check-in or, or a check-in at, at some point? Um, I don't have an annual check-in, um, but I do um, contact the clients about four years afterwards to see if they need to review things, just to remind them um, that they ought to review things. And I also have um, a monthly email newsletter that goes out to clients, which is, of course, my way of just keeping things um, in their mind, if you like, just to remind them that if there's been a change in their circumstances, then they need to think about making a new will. Yeah, fantastic. And so, so that that sounds that sounds great. And essentially, you're there to hold their hand for life, really, aren't you? For the for the many years to come. Yeah, from the cradle to the grave, as they say. Yeah, that's that's great, and I I can really relate to that, Sarah, because where we help clients, and so often we help them buy their first home. And in, I will say it's not just about helping you get in your home. It's helping you throughout your lives. And it will see you through as you, your, maybe your family grows and you might move to your next home. And, and it's, it's the part of the job that I absolutely love is keeping in touch with clients and really helping them through the stages of life. Yes, absolutely. And it's the same with my work as well. Definitely not a silly question. Each episode, we like to answer a question that I might have been asked this week because something we don't know, no matter how big or small, particularly when it comes to money, mortgages and finance, will cause unnecessary stress. So I say to all of my clients, they're really, genuinely are no silly questions. So the question I've been asked this week is, can I leave money to my pets in my will? Not necessarily directly to the pet, but you can leave it to an individual for them to look after the animal as well. And then once you've done that, then they will then be able to look after the animal and be assured that they've got um, money there to look after them. The other option is that you can put the money into a trust so that the trustees manage the money as and when their person looking after the animals needs money to look after them. But the problem with that is you're limited to 21 years as the maximum time for the trust to run. So if the animal lives longer than that, then potentially you've got a problem. If you have a question you'd like to ask anything at all, please contact me, Mark Humphrey, via inquiries at mhcmortgages.co.uk. Not only will I answer your question nice and quickly, but I promise I'll try and share your question in future episodes as you can be sure 
you'll not be the only one that's thought of that question. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can help us reach and help many, many more people like yourself by leaving us a five-star review on whichever platform you get your podcast and by sharing the podcast on your social media channels. In a, in a minute, I'd like just to, to go and, and get a couple of um, examples of, of situations from, from you in a minute, because like we said, it's interesting just to hear what can happen if what's essentially what does good look like and what, what does bad look like. Um, but on the topic of organizing your will, so if, if, I'm, if I'm looking to get a will set up and I'm considering my options and I'm looking around, what sh- what should I do? What should I look out for? Because there there are quite a lot of people out there that offer will writing services, um, and so what what are the key things to look out for? Because from what we've said already, it's really important to get somebody that you trust that's going to do it properly. So, what are your top tips there? Um, I would say that look for somebody who is qualified with the Society of Trust and Estate Practitioners um, and they will have the letters TEP after their name, like me. Um, Make sure that they are regulated because uh, will writing is actually not regulated um, at all. Um, So you've got several options. You've got solicitors who are regulated by the SRA and the Law Society. Um, You've got the Society of Will Writers, of which I'm a fellow member of, and I'm on their professional standards boards. But you've also got the Institute of Professional Will Writers as well. Um, So those two organisations are voluntary regulated. Um, But if, if people are not a member of either society or um, the SR or a solicitor, then I would suggest that you actually need to think about are they any good? What protection you may have if things go wrong, for example? Um, you know, like solicitors, we have to have uh, professional indemnity insurance so that if things do go wrong, a claim could be made against me. Um, you know, for perhaps giving bad advice. Uh, not that I have, I hasten to add. Um, but those sorts of things need need you need to look at. Um, make sure there's a decent complaints process in, in place as well. But above all, don't just base it on the price. Think about what value for money you're getting with the service that's being provided as well so um you you know you've you it's about getting to know the person that that is advising you yeah that's a really really good point isn't it and like we said actually it's a relationship for many years to come not just a a quick transaction and given the magnitude of all of your possessions and all of your wealth and and all of your wishes it really is not worth scrimping on that and, and ending up in a bad place no no absolutely and so, and I suppose it goes without saying, look at reviews, do your due diligence, look at reviews when you're looking. It's the same if you're looking for a mortgage broker, if you're looking for a solicitor, if you anything these days, isn't it? It's so easy to look online, whether it's Google reviews, we use Vouch for, um, and just see what other other clients are saying in there. You'll, you'll either see some great, great reviews or there might be some warning signs in there. So uh just the same as you would if you were looking for a hotel to go and stay in. You go and look at what um, 
reviews have been left by people who have stayed in them, don't you? So it should be the same for people like myself as well. Yeah, fantastic. And so and what what I'd like to go on to now, Sarah, so we, we spoke before about maybe not having a will. So I'm really intrigued to hear if you've got an example or two of, of people that you've you've come across over the years that, that didn't have a will in place that probably didn't get round to it or didn't think they needed it. But just want to see what the impact can actually be in practice, if you like. Uh, yes, I, I mean, I've got loads of stories, but one that stands out was uh, one recently. It was an elderly client um, who was married, um, two adult children. Uh, the property was in his sole name, as was the second property, and uh, they had separate bank accounts. Um, his estate was worth over 500000 with all of that involved, and um, his wife was only entitled to the first 270000 plus half of the rest, and um, his two children were due to the other half of the balance. So it was... It was a very difficult situation, um, but they were able to, to do something about it, but it did give them a lot of stress in um, trying to sort it all out. Um, so it's it's always worth making sure you've got that will in place and that it does what you want it to do. Yeah, and so so in terms of had they had the will in place or had the correct will, what would have been the, the outcome well, the outcome would have been that the, it would have been so much easier for um, the widow to uh, get everything put into her name, um, and then she could have then made she can then make a will to make make sure it goes to the two children, which it would under the rules of intestacy. But having a will makes it easier for them because they've got it set out in writing what their parents' wishes. You know, it may be that she would want um, some of the estate to go to the grandchildren, for example, not just her two children. So that's why a will is is essential. Yeah, of course, and understand that. And, and from there, we also get into the position where if if her grown up children split up with partners and and with the children, it's. The complexity is there, whereas, like you say, you can protect it for the grandchildren by just having something there. So, so yeah, really, really goes to show in in that example, doesn't it? Um, and so, Sarah, do you have any examples where maybe somebody's put a will in place that where maybe they've scrimped and and taken a cheap option, and where it's gone wrong that you can tell us about? Uh, yes, I have actually. Um, it's a gentleman that didn't actually have any close family. Um, so he got a, a £10 will kit from a well-known stationery store on the high street and wrote it himself. And he decided he wanted to give uh, £2,000 to each charity that was involved in cancer research. And the rest to go between uh, four other charities. Well, that's not a good enough description of because you need to actually identify the charities that were involved in cancer research. Um, and so we actually ended up having to go to the 
take it to court for the judges to decide um, which charities should benefit from this £2,000. And as a consequence of that, it actually ended up there were 42 different charities that were going to get £2,000 each. But the costs involved in dealing with it meant that out of a £300,000 estate, um, what was left for the other charities was probably about 15000 when it could have been a lot more. So, yeah, expensive legal costs just for the sake of um, not paying to have a proper will drawn up. Such a shame, isn't it? And it's yeah, like like we said, it just a little bit of thought up front and and speaking with the experts at the front can make such a difference. Absolutely, yes, yeah. It took nine years for that case to be settled. Nine years, and so I can imagine how the legal costs really, really ramped up with that. And I guess that that's that that's a fairly extreme example i guess but i suppose what what that illustrates is by not having a will the additional legal cost potentially of it for anybody in that situation of dealing with things intestate and and particularly if it's not amicable and it can't be settled quickly the cost and the stress and all of those things are, are such a big consideration aren't they yes they are they are and so that's why i would urge everybody whether or not they have property, um, and particularly if they've got young children, to make sure that they've got a will in place. Perfect. So make sure, um, everybody listening, make sure that is at the very top of your list. And so if anybody would like to get in touch with Sarah, Sarah, how do people get in touch with you? So they can go uh, call me on uh, 01304-577-998 or they can go onto my website, which is www.slswillsandmore.co.uk um, and then they can. there's a contact form through there. Perfect. And we'll we'll put that in the show notes. So don't worry if you're furiously scribbling it down. Um, you, can, you can take time uh, and read through the show notes. So that's fantastic. So before we let you go about your way, Sarah, just want to pick out two or three real key points from today then in, in terms of having a will and why do you need a will? So I think we've we've covered it, but just to summarise, just two or three key snippets, Sarah. Um, you need a will to make sure that your family is protected, that your assets go to the people that you want them to go to and above all else that your children are taken care of if something should happen to you um those are the main points that i would say as to why you want a will um and and make sure you get proper advice with it fantastic well thank you so much for joining us today sarah it's been great having you on board and really enjoyed i think i've learned something as well so thank you very much thank you Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening today. I really hope that you've enjoyed the episode and found it helpful. We'd love you to join us next time when I'll be discussing more hints and top tips from the world of money, mortgages and moving. In the meantime, please get in touch if you'd like some help or have a question about your own personal situation. You can contact me at inquiries 
at mhcmortgages.co.uk and my details will also be in the show notes. Until next time, take care. Thank you.